This morning I want to revisit and think more deeply about a truth we discussed Easter weekend. Namely, that living the Christian life is not about following rules for good behavior. It's not about accepting a set of Presbyterian church doctrines. In fact, as some found shocking, it's not about being religious at all. In fact, by definition, Christianity is not a religion. A religion is defined as our effort to reach up to God. Christianity is the good news God reached down to us in Jesus Christ. And a Christian is a person who cultivates a passionate, personal, all-consuming relationship with Jesus. If you read the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, you find that uh, the disciples were devoted to a person, not a cause. Paul the Apostle wrote, for I resolved to know nothing among you while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, um, we're very interested that this pulpit covers all issues of morality and right doctrine, but it's very important to emphasize that it all begins with a relationship with Jesus. And when we're rooted in Jesus, when we abide in him, remain in him, then all of the morality, the behavior, the doctrine stems from, becomes fruit of our relationship with Jesus. Now Jesus gives us a wonderful metaphor that I think even a child can understand. In, in this wonderful chapter in John, he uses the metaphor of the vine and the branch. And he says, we're branches connected with him, and from him, as believers, we draw our life. And when the life of Jesus flows into us, we experience this change of lifestyle, this change of behavior, this change of belief that's so radical, we call it rebirth. Or today, I'm calling it living beyond simply the survival mode. So I want to consider what it means to remain or to abide in Jesus which I think is one of the central heartbeats of Christianity. And if we don't begin there, we really don't begin. So first, to abide means we relate to Jesus as a branch relates to a vine. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain or abide in the vine. I am the vine, and you're the branches. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. You know, last year, uh, we purchased a Christmas tree. It was a beautiful tree, and we put it in the pickup truck and uh, brought it home. And as I was unloading it, I broke a very key branch that had everything to do with its symmetry. And so I became very creative, and I taped the branch back onto the trunk of the tree. And you know what happened. It died long before any of the other branches on that tree died. And I was seeking to salvage something of my attempt at creativity, and I realized I was witnessing a perfect example of what Jesus is teaching in this metaphor of the vine and the branch. So I saved it for five months, and here it is. Namely, when we allow ourselves to become disconnected from intimacy with Jesus, our life, our power, and our joy shrivel up. We miss the abundant life here that he promises us. Following Easter weekend, I went away to recharge my emotional batteries, and for a week, I resolved that on advice of everybody who knows me to take a break from thinking about church business, which I did. Unfortunately, at the same time that week, I cut way back on my discipline of, of prayer and of reading the scriptures. Those are my lifelines to Jesus. 
And you know what happened? In a very few days, I found my thought patterns becoming increasingly focused on challenges and problems, divorced from the provision of Jesus, so they, they loomed huge in my mind. In fact, I began to sink in the middle of my vacation under a load of worry and stress and sort of drowning in what was, appeared to be a whirlpool of impossible problems. Why? Because I had disconnected from the vine. And, you know, very quickly I realized something true for me, true for us, and namely, we can't take a vacation from intimacy with Jesus any more than we can take a vacation from breathing. We need his life flowing into us constantly or we're going to dry up like the broken branch on a Christmas tree. And that's why so many of us are Christian, but our faces really don't show the joy Jesus promised. You see, my point, abiding daily in Jesus is a necessity if we're going to taste of all the things that Jesus wanted us to have in this life. And what's more, I want to emphasize something that we don't think about often enough, and that is what a privilege it is to be invited by Jesus into this intimate relationship with Him, God in the flesh. Even this morning, I wonder how many of us thought about the privilege that we've been chosen and we were brought here and we believe Jesus is in our midst and we're going to have a relationship with him as we relate to each other. That's an incredible gift that millions in the world never have. I was viewing some outtakes of the life of Bob Hope, reviewing his relationship with 11 presidents in his lifetime, presidents of the US. And throughout his career, it was said he often stayed overnight in the White House and experienced intimacy with these presidents that few people ever have. Well, one first lady remarked how they enjoyed inviting Bob over for the weekend, and during that time they'd simply kick off their shoes and they'd be ordinary people talking about ordinary things. And, you know, everybody thought, isn't that great to have known presidents like that? But, you know, I, it occurred to me that the description of Bob Hope's relationship with presidents is nothing compared to the incredible opportunity you and I have been given to be intimate with Jesus Christ. I'll never fully comprehend the privilege of knowing Jesus at a personal level, but it's ours for the taking and the accepting. You know, there's an old Baptist hymn I used to sing that uh, illustrates that kind of truth when it says, in the, 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 the hymn is in the garden, he walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I am his own. I think one of the reasons more liberal churches reject these um, hymns perhaps is that maybe they don't know this intimacy with Jesus that's possible for those who want it. Through conversation with Jesus in prayer, by learning his heart through reading of scripture, how incredible it is this morning we can know Jesus is a friend, we share our deepest needs with him, he knows all about us, he loves us just the same. Of all the relationships we have in this world, the one with Jesus can be closest. That's either the greatest myth of Christianity, or it's one of the most neglected treasures, or if you're into it, it's the most valuable thing in your life today. And, and so I thought how appropriate to ask us a question, how well do you know Jesus? Too many Christians, I feel, trust Jesus enough to get to heaven, but we never experience in this life the exhilaration of being transfused with this supernatural resurrection power that dominated his life and as he comes into us, can fill us. 
to fill us with supernatural power and undergird us with unconditional love. What a way to live. Jesus wants every believer you see to have a lifestyle that's more than merely surviving. He wants us to live beyond this mindset that possessed so many of us, like if I can just get through this next meeting, this semester, this financial crisis, this relational difficulty, this business deal, if I can just make it to my next vacation, if I can just survive. I hear so much of that directly and indirectly in my conversations here in the valley. And I want to say Jesus offers believers his life as a vine offers life to a branch that connects us with an inexhaustible supply of resurrection power if we want it. It was that power that enabled Paul the Apostle to say, have no anxiety about anything. The Lord is at hand. Abiding in Jesus, you see, enables us to pass the breaking point and not break, to be filled with expectancy and circumstances that would otherwise crush people who don't know him. Paul described it this way in this wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. That's an incredible concept. One of the reasons we're here is to become like Jesus, to be so transfused with him that the life of Jesus is revealed in his body, the church, and that's you and me. Do you realize the potential of, life, of the life of Jesus in you? Listen to what Scripture says to one who's energized by Jesus. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. And therefore, I'll rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. And for this reason, I kneel before the Father, not that he may strengthen you according to the riches of his glory with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is what Jesus is saying in John 15. This is the power from the vine that he wants us as his children to enjoy, power to cope, power to overcome, power to endure, to win if we choose to abide in him. And so we got to come to the question, how do we abide in Jesus? A second truth, abiding or remaining in Jesus is a discipline. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now remain here implies as believers there's something for us to do and you're sort of doing it today you came to worship jesus uses the term fruit and that's later defined in scripture as the fruit of the spirit which is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control that's the lifestyle that's beyond the survival mode these qualities of life are a wonderful alternative to the grim-faced, stress-oriented life that fills so many here in the valley. And it comes as the fruit of practicing the discipline of abiding in Jesus. Do you realize that we were created to live connected to and dependent upon Jesus? 
One of the most common criticisms of a skeptic of a Christian is, well, Jesus is a crutch for you. And my answer is, of course he is. We were created not to be independent. We were created to live in partnership with him, dependent upon him as a branch is dependent upon a vine. Now, how do we ever make the decision that we're going to practice the discipline of abiding in Jesus? And I've made a conclusion that beginning with this preacher, most of us will never practice the discipline of abiding in Jesus until we come to a place where we can't take another step, we can't cope another day without him. In other words, we'll do it when we have to. And perhaps that's part of the reason we get pruned in our life, as Jesus talks about in this text. There are times that drive us to our knees, and we think they're bad times, but if it makes us aware of our need to stay close to Jesus, they might be the best times of our lives. You see, I need to point it out to myself and us constantly. Our Lord's primary agenda for every believer is not to make us happy, not to make life easier. His agenda is to do whatever is necessary to bring us into such a personal, vital relationship with himself that we begin to bear fruit, the fruit of his character, so much so <clears throat> that we become like Jesus. There's an old gospel song we sang in the Baptist church that articulates this truth. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his love and compassion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refine till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I told Doug I wouldn't sing that like Scott, but you know, it really is a great chorus and it's a great goal of what we're talking about here. Why do you come here week after week? You see, we come here so the Holy Spirit can open us and the life of Jesus and his character flows into us. And that's the fruit of practicing the discipline of focusing our lives on Jesus. And so what is discipline? We can choose the habit of frequent prayer. Bringing our Lord into every situation as we would talk with anyone we love rather than carrying the load all alone. You know, I don't mean to be pietistic, but I talk to Jesus all day long. I talk with him as a constant companion and we confront every crisis together. Otherwise, I'd sink under the load. It's incredible, but he's that close, that available. And we get, need to get to know him in the conversation of prayer. This is why we put so much emphasis on come to prayer meetings. You know, this is old cliche stuff, but you know the alternative is when you're not praying, you're cut off from the life of the vine and then you wonder why life isn't working out as Jesus promised. And then we can choose regular attendance at worship. You know, I think the Catholics have something on us in that um, it becomes very important to a Catholic to be at church every week. And the only thing that we can offer is that we hope it's so important to you, you can't miss it. You want to be here because you want to be here, because you're fed. And then there's small groups where, you know, we told you, we want this church to be a church of small groups and not with small groups because worship isn't even enough. In this big group, you can't relate, but in a small group, like in the book of Acts, you get people who know you, they're accountable to you, you're accountable to them, you pray for each other. And you know, you, you hear this from this preacher and other preachers over and over again, but folks, there's no other way to grow up in Jesus, to experience the abundant life than through worship, through prayer, through small groups, the disciplines of giving priority to nourishing that spiritual part of us. And perhaps, 
one of the disciplines God's going to call us to do is so prune our overloaded schedules here in Silicon Valley so that we can put in the things that tell the world Jesus is important to us. Yesterday, I had the joy of um, giving the keys to a family for a habitat house over in Redwood City. We, uh, our church was involved. There were six of them built. And it was wonderful to see these families receive their homes. But you know who the happiest people were there out of the hundreds? The ones who had taken and made time and donated 25,000 hours to build those six homes. And I thought to myself, when our Lord said it's more blessed to give than receive, it's true. And we have to prune our schedule so we can give Jesus and his kingdom business the, the priority it deserves. Or we have a disparity in our life that causes us, as we get focused on self and money and all the other stuff of this valley, it doesn't bring us joy, it brings us burdens and hardships. You know, um, I think one of the regrets we're going to have in heaven is how we wasted so many of our hours of our lives on stuff that really didn't matter. Have you ever thought about that? We give ourselves so earnestly and our energy and our time and our talent to stuff that sometimes as soon as it's over, it didn't matter. Uh, we're taking care of our eight-month-old right now, a little guy. And um, we brought him a lot of new toys thinking this would occupy him while his mom and dad are away. And you know, he didn't give a rip about the toys, but he loved the wrapping paper. And uh, you remember how birthday parties are for little kids? They, you get them these lovely things and they unwrap them and they get involved with the paper. And I thought, you know, Maybe that's going to be us in heaven. God had this opportunity for us to have a life, and we just got involved with a paper that was thrown away. It didn't matter. And I think one of the reasons we come to church is to get warned in advance so we won't waste ourselves on stuff that doesn't matter. I have a regular meeting with a buddy at Starbucks, and whenever we meet there, about 5 in the, 5.30 in the morning, we're always talking about what Jesus is doing in our lives or in the church. And some of the regulars over time have seen us there, and they tend to listen. And, and a few of them have said to us, you know, we get the idea, uh, Jesus and the business he's involved in is pretty important to you. In fact, they have thought this guy who's not a pastor was one of the pastors. And I thought, you know, I'm glad they hear that. And that's not a pietistic statement, it's just that's what happens. That's what's important to us. And I want to ask you, what do your conversations and daily agendas say about the priority Jesus is playing in your life? That's just a logical question we say he's our lord is he or more basic if people spent six hours with you what would they guess is the thing closest to your heart you see our conversation our time our agendas our money they all tend to follow what's really in our hearts not what's just simply on our mouths abiding in jesus is a discipline it's similar to what it takes to cultivate any relationship, friendship, marriage, children. It all takes time. There are no shortcuts. But you know when you love someone, discipline isn't a task, it's an involuntary act of joy. And that's why over and over again, we offer the same prescription here for cultivating closeness to Jesus. We love him because he first loved us, died for us, that we might be with him forever. What greater motive do we need for making him the focus of our lives and our time, for pruning our schedules so we have time to enjoy him so we won't get to heaven and would have missed the, the, the incredible abundant life he wanted us to have. So, on this wonderful Lord's Day, I give you a challenge. It's so simple. 
stay connected to the vine. Prune our schedules so while chasing important things, we won't regret having omitted the most important thing, the reason God put us here, to relate with Jesus and to do kingdom business. And I pray that everyone who takes the name Christian will be able to look back on our lives, not as survival stories, but as, but as adventures of trusting a Lord who's so constantly faithful to us. Would you bow with me in prayer? <coughs> Lord, thank you for the privilege of being intimate with you. So many pressures would crowd that out. God, open our eyes, soften our hearts as we come here to your house and get us reprioritized so we won't regret someday having missed the best. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.